Amen, amen. Well, good morning, church family. And um, like Chris shared, there's incredible things going on in our city. And uh, couldn't encourage you more to just take part in what we're doing tomorrow with the 24-hour prayer. And uh, if you're a night owl, we'll have a slot for you as well. But we'd love for you to jump in with us on that as we pray for our city in these days. And, um, you know, this this morning, uh, we are going to be diving into a new series over the next four weeks. And um, uh, again, just to recap, if you weren't with us on uh, Easter weekend, we had an amazing time Friday night, Good Friday, getting to just uh, look back and really reflect on on the death of Jesus and that he made a way as becoming uh, the ultimate sacrifice that we could have forgiveness of sins. And so uh, we celebrated that Friday night and then Sunday morning we had an amazing time for those of you that got up early for the sunrise. Uh, we, we, we did that. My family got up and got to worship the Lord in the morning, even though it was a bit cloudy, but we got to remember the resurrection of Jesus. And then we had our, our service and then again we had our Easter in the parking lot, which was so much fun. Hopefully you uh, caught on to some of those pictures early on when the service started. But we had a big drive through Eastern the Park, and it was in the, in the parking lot. It was awesome. I think we had 300-plus people uh, that, that came through, so it was an amazing experience. Well, this morning, I want to do a little recap for us. And, um, you know, uh, this all started back March 15th. As we know, in terms of our current situation, we haven't actually been together as a, uh, as a church family uh, and uh, it was back on March 8th is the last time we gathered in this building. And since then, a lot of things have changed. But I wanted to kind of bring to mind um, some things that, that, that God spoke to us back in 2019 to lead us up to where we are right now. Well, at the beginning of 2019, we felt strongly the Lord was giving us a scripture highlighting 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, 4 through 5. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And what I can tell you is that in 2019, we experienced God shaping us, molding us into a spiritual house. But you know, part of that shaping and molding, just like a master mason, when they get out a stone, they, they pull out the hammer and the chisel and they start going to work to make sure to get that stone just chiseled enough and to chip off the, all the rough edges so that it's smoothly able to then fit inside its next spot on the wall. And as we look at this idea of living stones, what we reflect on is, man, God was shaping us and chiseling away, although it was a painful process, although there were things that were discouraging about it, which is anytime you're pruned, it doesn't necessarily feel good, but you know the fruit is on the other side of that. As a church, we experienced uh, an immense amount of staff changes. We had life group leader changes. We uh, kind of overhauled and looked at different ministries in many different ways. But what we know is that we were true to God in his word. And, and throughout the entire process, we just kept going back to him and saying, okay, this is challenging and this is unusual, but man, we still trust God. And we believe that Jesus is going to build his church. And so we hung on to that. And in 2019, God was shaping us and is shaping us and becoming a spiritual house. But I want to fast forward into 2020. 
And we, uh, back in February, we came out with a series uh, uh, talking about the Own It initiative. And as we had prayed and sought God, we really felt like this is the year, 2020, that we are going to move forward on some major uh, objectives as a church. And again, as we shared before, is that the Own It initiative is really a two-year discipleship initiative. It's an initiative that every single person, no matter if you're a child or a college student or adult or wherever you're at, you can be part of it and you can join with us in it. And it really kind of breaks down into the three core objectives to own your pursuit of Jesus by committing to personal discipleship, to own your place in his mission by committing to selfless service, and to own the price of progress by committing to radical generosity. Now, if you notice, every one of those objectives has the word own in it, and it has the word committed, because we as a people have to first own what God is saying to us, and then be committed to walking it out. <clears throat> well, a key passage for us in the own initiative, what God is speaking, goes back to Isaiah chapter 54, verse two and three. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out the curtains of your dwellings, Spare not, lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess nations and will resettle the desolate cities. For over 20 years, the Antioch movement of churches has been praying this very passage in. Uh, years ago, it was a passage given to uh, Jimmy Cyber and others, and Jimmy is the senior pastor at Antioch Waco, and uh, it was a word of the Lord for them. And out of that place began uh, uh, multiplying churches across the U.S. and overseas, began planting churches amongst unreached people groups, began giving more emphasis towards the Antioch Discipleship School, and had a radical commitment to each of our cities that our churches exist to spreading the gospel, to making disciples, and to loving and caring for people. This word, Isaiah 54, is not just for them, but it's for us now we are part of this story, and God has highlighted it for us as something for us to hold on to in these days, that we'd be committed to seeing households transformed with the gospel, that we'd be committed to seeing people become disciples of Jesus. And really the Own It initiative at its core is aimed at wholesale life transformation for the kingdom of God. You see, our mission statement for years, and if you were here this morning, you would walk in and see on that wall as you walk in the foyer that it says, um, to make disciples of Jesus who transform towns and nations. We haven't given up on that mission because of the coronavirus. <laughs> we haven't tabled the own initiative because of the coronavirus. In fact, if anything, it is making things come into much more clarity in these days as we're able to pause, slow down, and reflect to say, God, what are you really saying and what is really important? See, the own initiative is simply the next chapter in the story of our church. If you don't know, if you're just streaming in this morning, we started this church in, in the fall of 2009. So coming up on this fall of 2020, we'll be 11 years into us having Sunday morning services. And we haven't changed our goals or, or our commitment. We've had to modify and adapt how we do ministry and how we do life groups, how we relate to people over the years and certainly right now. But the mission isn't changing. And in fact, on February 12th, if you were with us, we, we put this huge tent, there was this huge circus tent 
out on our future church land, and God decided to allow it to rain the day before in a deluge, I will say. And we went out there, and we had this big old tent, and man, it was muddy. It, it was the ideal mud wrestling tent. In fact, we, we actually had thoughts of doing that. Um, but uh, what we did is we set up 500 chairs. We had a little stage, and we worshiped God under in, in this tent on the muddy land, and people were muddy, and it was sweaty, but I'm telling you, it's glorious. It was so amazing. 500-plus people came, and we worshiped God. We heard stories of people sharing why they are committed to this discipleship initiative called Own It. And it was incredible to see the young and the old saying, we are in. We are in as the people of God. God is speaking. We are moving, and we are going forward. That was back on February 12th. Well, fast forward on February 23rd, a few uh, weeks later, and we had our Commitment Sunday. It was a Sunday we've been building up to. We've been preaching and talking about it. We've been sharing stories about it. And it was an amazing time to see what God was doing in our midst. Because you see, Commitment Sunday was not only about us committing financially. It was us committing in our hearts to personal discipleship, to owning our pursuit of Jesus. It was us committing to owning each of our places in the mission of God. And it was committing to a lifestyle of radical generosity. And as I look back at that moment eight weeks ago, I'm so thankful and filled with joy that we get to be part of this church family, that I have the honor of serving you and this church family um, I often say that we're like a blue-collar church. We're willing to roll our, uh, roll our sleeves up, get muddy, get sweaty, and get the job done because we want to honor God. We want to be the kind of people that when Jesus returns one day, when he returns back for his bride, for his church in full, that we're just there with our hands on the plow, we're moving forward, and we're saying, Jesus, we're plowing the field you gave us. And when he shows up, it'll be amazing. But you know, today I recognize that things have changed in our world since that Sunday, eight weeks ago. I recognize that situations have changed, but I want you to know that God's plan A of the church being the hope of the world hasn't changed. God's plan for the Great Commission being fulfilled hasn't changed. He's still partnering with people like you and me all over the world. And God's commitment to seeing the kingdom of God take root in individuals' lives and families' lives hasn't changed either. But the commitment we made that Sunday it was a commitment to the Lord, and it was a commitment to this house, to this people. But I also understand that for all of us, for every single one of us, things have changed in the last four, five, six weeks. For some of us, we've been mentally impacted financially. For others, we've been devastated. And what I want to say is that I am holding on to, and I want you to hold on with me, to what we committed to on that Sunday that we committed to be a people over the next two years, that we're going to fulfill our commitments to the Lord in all these different ways. And I don't know how we're going to do it. I'm not really sure the timing of it, and we're okay with that because God is patient and he's working. But I just know that we are going to stay in a place of faith and say, God, we trust you. This is your church. You're building it. We simply get to serve in it. And so what does that look like, God? We're going to own our place in all of this. We're going to own our pursuit, and we're going to own the price together. I want to share that with you because some of you have been asking, you know, what are we doing in these days? And again, this is our heart's desire. We're going to have to figure it out and be creative how to do different things as we are right now. But God is not changing. This will pass and the church will remain. 
and we have to maybe adapt some of the things that we do, but we believe that God has still called us to this city, has called us to plant churches in the U.S. and around the world, and has called us to make disciples who transform towns and nations. But acknowledging that in 2019 was a pruning season, um, that God was really shaping us to be the spiritual house, and in 2020, as we launched the Ona Initiative, we also know that we need a fresh word, that we need something fresh from the Lord, a, a, a reassurance, so to speak, from God to say, God, what are you doing in these days? Because it seems that everything is uncertain, and although things may be reopening soon, we're not really sure how that's going to pan out, but that we are needing to lean in again to hear God's voice, say, God, would you lead us again as a people? And just this last week is... Um, I was spending some time with the Lord. He uh, really highlighted a passage for us that, you know, over the last 11 years, sometimes God will give a very specific word for a specific season. And I can tell you that this last week, he gave me something very clear, very clear to speak to us in this moment. And really, I believe that for the rest of 2020, it comes out of Luke chapter eight, starting verse four. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him. He said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, we're going to be unpacking this passage over the next several weeks, and we'll be diving into really what is God saying to us in this. But I want to highlight to you two things today, two kind of big overarching themes in this passage, and really what I believe that God is, is kind of overarchingly saying to us, not just in this season, but in the year of 2020. The first one has to do with the sowing of the seed, right? Now, we know in this parable that the sowing of the seed is the word of God. It's, it's the gospel, the kingdom. But I want to talk to you about evangelism for just for a moment, because evangelism is something that may be intimidating for some of us. In fact, for most people, they would say, hey, I'm on board with evangelism. I just don't know if I want to have to do it. And that can be for different reasons, right? Maybe we're just nervous to kind of talk to strangers or to bring up a spiritual conversation with family. Maybe it's because we don't really know what to say. <laughs> For some of us, it may be because we don't really want to be pushy with our faith, or we're fearful of what people might say or think of us. Or maybe for some, we even question, is it okay for me to share what I believe with someone else? Those are all concerns that maybe you have or people have, or maybe reasons to hold them back from sharing the gospel from uh, being evangelistic in their lives. But I want you to pause for just a moment. So wherever you're at in your living room, whatever you're doing, I want you to pause, and I want you to think. When did you first hear the gospel? Maybe you were a child and your parents shared with you. Maybe you are in Sunday school. Maybe you were invited to someone's youth group at a church or maybe a friend on the soccer team told you about Jesus once. Maybe you were in high school and nearing your senior year, and you were looking back, reflecting, and 
you're all of a sudden drawn to find out what's really meaningful in life and really who is God. Maybe you were in college and you didn't know God at all and were kind of living it up and parting that kind of life. And then all of a sudden someone got a hold of you and sat down and had lunch with you and just shared their story, their personal testimony. Maybe that's the first time you heard about Jesus. Or maybe it was more recent. Maybe you're an adult. Maybe you're at a job and a coworker prayed for you one day and you were having a hard time and they shared the gospel with you. I don't know how or when or who, but what I do know is that the majority of stories that I'm aware of all over the world, that there's always a person involved. There's always someone tossing that seed, sowing that seed. There's always someone involved, and I don't know why, but God, for some reason, has designed it in such a way to where the gospel of the kingdom actually goes forth, but it goes forth from the mouths of other people. That he sends it forth. He actually sends messengers to get the message out. And you know, in Romans chapter 10, verse 12 through 15, Paul says it this way, kind of referencing back to some Old Testament scriptures as well. He says, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Now let's think about that for a moment. People's feet are usually not the most admired part of their body. Many people aren't commenting on what you do to your feet. I see you got a pedicure. Your feet look nice. People don't do that. But in this passage, literally Paul's referencing and saying that it is beautiful, the feet of those, the feet of the messengers bringing the good news. That is so beautiful. That is incredible that he is highlighting that, that this incredible message of hope is going out and those people are blessed and that is to be honored. And so when we talk about evangelism, I want you to know that sowing does not have to look a specific way. What is specific is that the word is being sowed, that the gospel's being sowed, that the good news of the hope of Jesus is being sowed. And you know what? It can be sowed in a hundred different ways, but all the different ways lead back to Jesus and that he is the resurrection and the life. In fact, that's what last Sunday was all about. Jesus being resurrected back to life so that he could have power over our sins, destroy the works of the enemy. And if we believe that church, then it, when you approach a coworker who is saying, man, I am struggling, I'm depressed, my marriage is hurting, financially I'm broke, I don't know what to do, someone who's angry, someone's an alcoholic, someone's just got a bunch of dysfunctional things happening, you have the message of hope to give them and to say, guess what, I've got good news for you. I got good news. It's nothing I did. It's what Jesus did. Did you know he can forgive you of that? Did you know he can take those sins away? Did you know he can give you a new heart and a new mind? Did you know he can give you a new perspective on your situation? 
you can be depressed. Or actually, you can have hope that God wants to speak into that. But you know, in Romans 12, Romans 10, it says that there's got to be a messenger sent. And this parable in Luke chapter 8 of the sower, the emphasis that the farmer goes out to sow the seed. And that seed is going to land on soil. But without the seed being sown, that soil would never have a chance to grow anything. It would just remain soil. It is necessary for us who have that message of hope, who have a story to tell of Jesus, to go and to broadcast that message. Literally, in the agricultural world, um, you know, you can, um, if, you look at, if you look at planting by hand, right? Forget all the machinery technology we had today. They didn't have that bit then, but what could you do? Well, there's really two main methods. The one was you kind of carve out these rows and you go and you pop seeds into each little row. Another way to do it was to broadcast the seed, to literally sow it. You take it out of your pouch and you sow it and you sow the seed and you don't know where it's all gonna land, but you're believing that it's gonna take root. And we know in this parable that the four soils, the soil that we all want to be, is that soil where it really takes root and produces a hundredfold. But what I see in this passage is it is talking about sowing the word, sowing the gospel, sowing him, not sowing ourselves. You see, we live in a day and age of self-promotion. And listen, I get it. If you're in insurance or if you're in real estate, I used to be a loan officer in the mortgage industry. I had to go out and kind of sell myself and say, hey, would you work with me or else I can't get any business? And that's, that's the way business works, and that's okay. But when we look at this emphasis, what we believe God is saying is we're going to be sowing him. We're talking about him. We're sowing Jesus. We're not sowing Antioch. We're not sowing an individual. We're not sowing a particular whatever. We're sowing him. We're sowing his word. We're sowing the gospel. We're sowing the good news. That's what we're sowing. And so if you look at this, you say, wait a second. Jesus is saying that we got to take this seed and to sow it. Well, where do we get this seed from? It's inside of you. See, that seed has already been planted in you. If you already have faith in Jesus and are walking with him, guess what? He's already produced good fruit in there to where you take that seed and now you can sow it. And, you're, and it's a limitless supply. There's no limit to the amount of gospel seeds. There's no limit to the amount of opportunities you have to sow and to broadcast. We're going to be promoting Jesus. We're going to be broadcasting the work of the gospel so that God gets the glory and not us. That's the first thing I want you to hear in Luke 8 is that we're going to be sowing him. The second thing I want us to look at is that there's a difficult reality for us that we grapple with, which is that this gospel seed's going to go out, it's going to land, and it's going to land on different types of soil. And the truth is that those soils represent different responses to the gospel, which we wish that every soil actually was the really fruitful, good soil. But the truth is, there's seed that's going to land on soils that they're not receptive. And we as a people need to consider how we're sowing, to be creative in the ways that we are sowing in these days, be it in our lockdown or our shelter in place, or even as things begin to lift some, it's still going to look different. But I want us to be encouraged with something that the Holy Spirit is not limited in time and space. You remember when Jesus 
In Acts chapter one, it says he ascended up to the father. Disciples were left there looking at him and he was telling them beforehand, he said, hey, just, you know, it's good that I go. They're thinking, well, why is it good that you leave Jesus? You're the king, why are you leaving? He said, because if I leave, the spirit of God will come. And when the spirit of God comes, guess what? He can be distributed to all of you. He can be at work at all the time. He's not limited by where he is physically present. He is present in us and everywhere. So guess what, church? The Spirit of God is present and at work right now in your house, in this room, another town, another city, another country. Right now, the Spirit of God is at work unhindered. And so we have this sowing reality that we can sow. We know that God is at work. But the second piece I want us to know is there's another thing about cultivating. <laughs> Because you see, on one hand, missionally, we need to be people who are going to be sowing the gospel of the kingdom, and that that is our aim, and that we are committed to that. But at the same time, we have a unique opportunity to cultivate our soil right now, to cultivate our own soil. You know, my, my father-in-law, <clears throat> Wayne, years ago, he started a, a vegetable garden at the ranch. And, um, you know, they're at the ranch, and they've got cows. They've got a lot of uh, manure and other uh, types of things that go into the soil to kind of enrich and provide good nutrients to their soil. He's also got a big tilling machine. So I remember going out there and helping him. He did most of the work, but he was out there removing the rocks and he tilled the soil with this professional tiller deal. And he kind of heaped in a bunch of the cow manure. I know it's kind of gross, but hey, it makes things grow. And as he prepared this vegetable garden, we helped him plant it, right? And he had the right watering system going on. And at the same time, I went home thinking, hey, I'm gonna plant my own vegetable garden. Doesn't seem that hard, I can plant one too. So we planted one around the same time, only about 25 miles apart. So similar environment, similar temperature, similar soil. But what happened was that his soil was way more prepared and cultivated than mine. My tomatoes were teeny tiny, maybe grew this tall, produced a few. You go out there and it was like a miracle happened on each plant. We're, we're talking squash this big. Tomatoes 2030 on the vine. I mean, there were cucumbers that were ginormous. And I'm thinking, did, was this like a miracle? What is this? Like, they were huge. Because he knew how to cultivate the soil in a right way to where those same seeds that I planted, the same squash seeds, his way bigger, way more fruitful. Mine squeaked out a little bit. Here's the point. We have the opportunity to cultivate our soil. You're not, um, you're not, like limited in what you can do. But there are tools that God gives us in the kingdom. There are relationships that God gives us in order to cultivate this soil. And God is inviting us in to make those preparations. And as we go through the next three weeks, looking at the sowing and cultivating reality and kind of unpacking these four soils and what that means, I, I want us to know that... Um, that we can start with looking at the condition of our own soil. Start by saying, God, where's my soil at? We just prayed earlier, Chris led us in a great time of praying over healing emotionally and mentally and physically and spiritually. There's a healing needed. There's a, that there, there are some declarations that some of us need to start claiming and proclaiming before God. We need to start opening the scripture and say, God, this is who you say I am and this is who you are. We need to start standing on those things right now. This is the hour, but we've got to cultivate our soil. Because you see, if you just sit back and just throw the seed and just hope something lands, hey, we have an opportunity right now to pull the tiller out. 
It's hard work to go and look and find the rocks, to maybe pull out some of those thorns and weeds as we cultivate our soil so that there's more fruit coming from our lives. So this morning, what's the condition of your soil? Where are you at this morning? I don't really know. God knows. Your family may know. They may have seen it. Your roommates, maybe they've seen you a little more up close than they ever thought. But last month, we've all got a chance to repent before the Lord. We've all got an opportunity to go before him and say, God, I want my soil to be rich. We're going to help walk you through what that's going to look like and give you some tools in the next several weeks. But we just want to start with asking him, Lord, what's the condition of my soil this morning? As we invite you to pray in just a moment, just want you to know if, if you're watching and you want to have someone pray for you right now, uh, you can text us actually at 474747. You can text us and we've got people available right now ready to take your call. <laughs> Literally, they will pick up the phone or they'll call you back and say, hey, how can I pray for you? What do you need in right now? And so if, if that's you this morning, if you prayed to receive Christ earlier in the sermon, if you're just saying, you know what? The condition of my soil is pretty rough. <laughs> in fact, I don't even know where to begin. I need help. Then text us. If you don't want to text, then find someone in your life group. Find a friend, somebody that you can reach out to and say, hey, can you talk today? Today's Sunday. Most places are closed. There's not many meetings going on. <laughs> People are available this afternoon. Give them a call. Hey, would you pray for me? God's really doing something in my heart. We want to be attentive to what God's doing in these days. I'm going to pray for us. So Jesus, say thank you first and foremost for allowing the seed to be sown onto us. That you gave us the gospel, that you sowed the kingdom of God in our hearts, that you brought somebody along some point years ago or recently who told us about Jesus, who shared their story, who just said, hey, can I tell you that there's hope? And his name is Jesus. We don't know all the stories, but God, I know that for every person that say there's a story of someone sowing seed into their life. God, I pray that we would, in return, be seed sowers as well. We'd work through whatever hindrances or fear or questions we have. We would say, no, we have to sow. And God, I ask that we would look at the condition of our own soil, our own hearts this morning. Really, that's what it is. The condition of our soil is the condition of our heart. So where are we at? Where are we at this morning, Lord? Just if you're in your home right now, if you're with roommates or spouse or your family, I would encourage you just to even ask the Lord, Lord, where, where's the condition of my heart towards the people I'm living with? There might be someone in your living room that you need to repent to in just a few moments. <laughs> there might be someone you live with that you really need to forgive. I can't imagine us living like this for a month and not having someone you got to forgive in your house. <laughs> but if you haven't done it, extend the forgiveness. The bitterness holding on to the pain never helps. So maybe you're just saying, I just need to forgive. I need to let go. I need to repent of something. Those are the places to start when it comes to checking the condition of our soil. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.